You sit down in front of your television. You watch as the 2020 presidential election results come in. You, being a Democrat, watch and hope for your candidate to make it to the White House. Then you hear the announcer's voice come on. All right, folks. The election has come to a close, and the Democrats have come in the lead, winning several states. You applaud the after the announcer finishes. Your party is moving on to round two. Welcome to Imagine If, the alternate history podcast. I'm your host, Brody Burton. This episode is scheduled to air November 4th, which is the day following the presidential election, as well as several other senatorial, house, and gubernatorial races in the United States. This episode was written, recorded, and edited before that date, so I have no idea if President Donald Trump will remain president or if former Vice President Joe Biden will be inaugurated the 46th president in January. What I do know, however, is that it will probably be a controversial election, the losing party will probably be calling for recounts, and states in the Northwest and in the Northeast, I'm sorry, and Florida are proving to be the states that put the candidate over the 270 electoral vote mark. Regardless of what party you support, I'm willing to guess you value your right to vote and that you are interested in the elections. Everything from our national parks to the National Guard is determined by the president's actions, and you may have your own wishes like a coronavirus vaccine or regulation against police brutality. However, political issues tend to stay away from the system of elections themselves up until recently, with mail-in voting, the Electoral College, and absentee voting becoming major issues in this election cycle. Regardless of whether or not you're a Republican or Democrat, it's important to know how the Electoral College works. The Electoral College boils down to this. Each state picks delegates that choose the president. The, the number of delegates is determined by the combined number of senators and representatives that a state has. The number of electors ranges from California, having 55, to Alaska, Montana, Wyoming, the Dakotas, Vermont, Washington, D.C., and Delaware, each with three. The state's electors are encouraged to vote for whatever candidate is selected by the state's popular vote, but may vote for a different candidate. This is known as faithless electors, but they are yet to change the outcome of a race. Most states get awarded on a winner-takes-all basis. For example, if President Trump wins 50.01% of Ohio's popular vote, then he gets 100% of the state's 18 electoral votes. Usually, the Electoral College gives the same outcome as the popular vote. However, four times this has not been the case, 1876, 1888, 2000, and 2016, and I don't know, it might have happened in 2020. As I said, I cannot tell the future, and I am recording this before the election. When the Electoral College cannot produce a majority, the House determines the election's outcome, which has only happened twice, in 1800 and in 1824. The Electoral College was the result of a compromise at the Constitutional Convention of 1787. Some supported a congressionally selected president, others supported a popular vote. 
The Electoral College became a compromise between the states and the nation. Federalism. Said college remains in effect today. However, the exact structure of how it works disfavors third parties from really performing very well at all. So how would we elect a third party through a major vote? Simple. It comes from a children's book. Red state, blue state, one state, two state. I will say before we begin today's episode that this episode involves a lot of figures currently in the news and a lot of figures which people have a lot of opinions about, such as the current Democratic nominee and maybe President-elect Joe Biden, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and current Republican President, as well as the Republican nominee Donald Trump, Utah Senator Mitt Romney, former President Barack Obama, among others. This episode does not express my political views. All I'm trying to do is create a fair, nonpartisan view of history. Although, I will say that this, this system, as I discovered, favors the Republican Party. Thank you, and enjoy. Imagine, it's June 1986. Your name is Robert Byrd, and you're the senior senator from West Virginia. You're also the Senate Minority Leader of the Republican-controlled Senate during the 99th Congress. You're here to propose a law to help the failing Democratic Party. Today's session will be broadcast live on C-SPAN, which is why you've chosen the date. After a crippling defeat in 1984 and previously in 1972 for your party, you've come to propose a constitutional amendment. You are recognized by President of the Senate, George Hubert Walker Bush, and begin your prepared address. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, I would like to propose a bill to institute instant runoff voting and proportional delegation in presidential elections. In the previous election, we saw that the incumbent president could win the election with such a vast majority of electoral votes, despite having not nearly that vastness in the popular vote. To fix such a system, the implementation of instant runoff voting, will allow people to vote in order of their preferred candidate. Furthermore, the proportional system will allow all states and votes to be counted properly. The Senate applauds it mildly at this, and there is surprisingly little opposition to the measure. The House would pass it soon after. The states would take a little longer, with Arizona being the final state to ratify it in 1991, in time for the 1992 presidential election. In 1992, everyone expected George Herbert Walker Bush to be re-elected. It seemed at first that it would be a two-horse race against Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton. However, Texas independent businessman Ross Perot made the campaign closer, and many braced for a tie or for a round two, as the press had begun calling it, in voting. However, Ross Perot brought the two-party system down. Governor Clinton did win a plurality of the votes, at 239 electoral votes to Bush's 196 and Ross Perot's 103. However, the next major step came a few hours after the results were announced. Ross Perot steps onto a campaign 
onto his campaign headquarters in Dallas, Texas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to thank my campaign staff and team for all their hard work tonight and for all the time and effort that was spent. Although we performed extraordinarily well, we still lost and there is no way to sugarcoat it. Therefore, in order to prevent the most from the most dangerous idea of the Democratic Party from taking control, I certify my electors to vote for George Herbert Walker Bush when the Electoral College convenes in December. This was met by a lackluster response, as Perot had poured hours and hours and hours and, mo and billions and billions of dollars into the campaign. However, many linked the fact that Many liked that he was able to accept that it was over, and he remained on the table for a future presidential run. George H.W. Bush remained president, and his second term was very quiet compared to the first. However, when the primaries for 1986 began, they began almost immediately after the election. There was a change in the vice presidency when Bill Clinton was sworn in, as vice president in on January 20th, 1993. Ross Perot ran again in 1996. Three Democrats ran, but none participated in traditional primaries. Vice President Clinton, Governor Cuomo, and Senator Kennedy all launched independent bids for the presidency. In the Republican camp, Senator Bob Dole, Governor Lamar Alexander, and Steve Forbes launched campaigns. Others did as well, but only those earned any electoral votes. In the first round, Ross Perot formed very poorly and was eliminated. Cuomo and Kennedy had split their base in the Northeast and resulted in them being eliminated. Senator Bob Dole of Kansas, Governor Lamar Alexander of Tennessee, and Vice President Clinton were the second round candidates. Governor Alexander outperformed Senator Dole in many parts of the South, helping to strike at Clinton's base. This caused Senator Dole to authorize many of his delegates to vote for Lamar Alexander. However, many of the delegates refused to go along with this, as many of their states had passed laws that would require them to vote for the, for the state's next highest popular vote winner, as determined by instant runoff voting. After this, Vice President Clinton became President Clinton, defeating Governor Alexander. However, the Clinton presidency was almost immediately marred by a scandal, something the Reagan and Bush America had not seen. Clinton was impeached in 1998 by a Republican House after Clinton lied on one of his several scandals in office. 2000 was seen as a time for the grand old party to retake the White House. The date is August 27, 1998, in Austin, Texas. Your name is Governor George W. Bush, and you're in a limousine returning from the state capitol building, heading for the governor's mansion. You receive a phone call from your father, former President George H.W. Bush. <clears throat> Hello? Hello, George. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm well, George. Have you checked the news? The Clinton impeachment hearings? I've been receiving hourly updates, but I've decided to foregone it 
to deliver a speech down in Austin. Why? The Senate, they just voted to acquit Clinton. They said there wasn't enough evidence. Dagnabbit. I'm calling you because your brother Jeb isn't going to stand a chance at getting elected, but you, on the other hand, can make a serious run against Clinton for the presidency. But what about Alexander? Isn't that what the Democrats had in the last election? Cuomo and Kennedy, they split their base in the Northeast between them. It, they cross-killed each other. Son, you could beat out Alexander. He was a minor hitter anyway. You're the governor of a big state, and you could reunite the Republican Party. What about Senator McCain? What about Senator McCain? The elder Bush responds. He's also a minor hitter. The GOP field is wide open. All right, I'll run. With that, Governor Bush became a major Republican candidate for president. President Clinton also ran, as did Vice President Alexander. The biggest Democratic hitter was Tennessee Senator Al Gore. The Battle of the Southerners, as someone called it, had begun. George W. Bush began his campaign by campaigning heavily in California, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Gore and Alexander started fighting it out over the South, specifically Tennessee, where they were both, which was both of their home states, and they hoped that the fight there would be broadcast around the country. However, when election day came, there'd be yet again another surprise. Your name is Tennessee Senator Al Gore. You're at your campaign headquarters in Washington, D.C. The time is 7 p.m. on election night. You're watching ABC's analysis of the election. The polls just closed in six states, Florida, Georgia, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Vermont, and Virginia. You came into the election night close in the polls with George Bush and Alexander Lamar. But something else concerned you. Another candidate, Ralph Nader, was pulling at 20% at the beginning of the night. So far, only two states have been called, Indiana and Kentucky, with each giving the majority of their electoral votes to Alexander Lamar. You scored incredibly low in these traditionally conservative states, but that's not what has you worried. Nader won two of Indiana's 12 electoral votes. Nader could harm your chance to a clear victory in the 2000 race, especially as he, a New Yorker, is not a Southerner like the other four candidates. Your eyes, hopes, and dreams all stare at the television screen as a reporter for ABC calls the first of the states. All right, folks, we have three states ready to call. The first one is South Carolina. Lamar Alexander came in first, winning three of the state's electoral votes. The runner-up here is Governor Bush with two electoral votes. President Clinton, Senator Gore, and Mr. Nader have each earned a single electoral vote from the Palmetto State. Next up on our roll call is Virginia. Here, Governor Bush came in first with six electoral votes. Vice President Lamar came in second with four electoral votes, finally followed by Senator Gore's three, the strongest showing for Senator Gore tonight. The last one is a big surprise. Not too far removed from Bush's state of birth, Connecticut, the results from Vermont are in. Three people would receive the state's three electoral votes. Governor Bush, Senator Gore, and Mr. Nader. You turn to your wife, Tipper. 
Nader is doing good, too good. Don't worry. Nader and yourself are very similar in ideology. And But how much does this man spend on campaigning? Nearly nothing. He got it all in the free press, attacking the Southerners. That's true, but he's also never won electoral elected office. You have. He doesn't know how to run a campaign. You do. No one knows how to run a campaign anymore, not since that darn amendment. We both know that's not true. Sure. Two winners of the system. Look at them. President Bush is helping his son, and President Clinton is in the running. Come on. You're beating Clinton in every poll I've seen. And Bush? Lamar? You're not performing terribly there either. You listen to your life. Wife. Florida, Georgia, and New Hampshire are called a few minutes later. The first two giving the majority of their votes to Lamar, and New Hampshire giving the majority of its electoral votes to Bush. However, you tie Bush in Georgia and are only one electoral vote behind him in Florida. Your confidence is restored for the time being. As the night moves on, the results go mostly as expected until 8 p.m. Then you are in for a shock. Welcome back to folks at home still watching. The polls have just closed in 18 states, and we have some shockers. Several states, such as Maryland, Michigan, and New Jersey, have given the majority of their electoral votes to Ralph Nader. The expected winner, Al Gore, seems to be falling behind in these states and nationally. As the night moves on, Al Gore wins only the majority of three states' electoral votes. Vice President Lamar won the majority of the South. President Clinton only won the majority of his home state, Arkansas. Governor Bush won much of the West, Rocky Mountains, and a small region around Virginia, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania. The round one score was George W. Bush at 199 electoral votes, Ralph Nader at 125, and Lamar Alexander at 109. Both Democrats in the race, President Clinton and Senator Gore, were eliminated. Bush was then able to take a firm lead, although Nader expanded his margins as well. Governor Bush came just 10 electoral votes shy of the presidency in the second round. Vice President Lamar was eliminated and his electoral votes went to Governor Bush. George W. Bush became the 43rd president of the United States, with Ralph Nader his vice president. Bush was elected a moderate conservative. His administration was supposed to be focused on conservative domestic policy, but that would change on September 11, 2001. Terrorists hijacked four planes, each crashing in major buildings. Two went into the World Trade Center in New York City, New York. Another went into the Pentagon, hit a gas line nearby, and blew up the entire building. The fourth was intended for the United States Capitol, but instead hit the Washington Memorial, causing it to lose a wing, and then it landed on Theodore Roosevelt Island. The total event resulted in 3,234 deaths in New York and Washington, D.C. President Bush authorized the invasion of several nations, namely Syria, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. Covert operatives in Pakistan destroyed the nation's 20 nuclear weapons. 
India, NATO, and various nations throughout the American continents participated in Operation Vindicator. The victory in Operation Vindicator came when India conquered Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan. In early 2000, Russia announced support for Operation Vindicator and began to launch naval raids on Iran through the Caspian Sea. A joint Israeli-Turkic-Saudi force captured Syria and Iraq. By early 2000, the last major vestige of al-Qaeda was in Iran. The forces of, of nations around the world invaded and captured Iran by the end of 2003. Tehran, the final holdout, was laid siege to. In December, 19, in December 14, 2003, as the presidential election in the United States was starting up, George W. Bush had, at this point, become one of the most popular presidents in a long time. His popularity as president caused no other Republican to run for the presidency. However, Vice President Ralph Nader still ran, hoping to upset the odds and get elected, as he had last year last cycle with the vice presidency. The Democrats had a field wide open. However, there was no real contest. George Bush won re-election with over 400 electoral votes, and John Kerry, the runner-up, only carried six states. However, the talk of the town wasn't John Kerry or the various other Democrats who ran against President Bush. It was a freshman senator from Illinois. Barack Obama was only a freshman senator from Illinois at the time of the 2004 race. Previous to him, Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter were the only people to get elected president from the Democratic Party since 1968. However, after a speech regarded as the most important for the Democratic Party since the Kennedy era, Obama seemed like he'd be a frontrunner in 2008. However, there were other Democrats run in the running. After divorcing her husband, Hillary Clinton had become a major politician in her own right, being elected to the Senate in the New York Senate race. John Bell Edwards and Joe Biden, both also senators, also ran. The Republicans saw several candidates, Arizona Senator John McCain, Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee all running. The race looked like it could be close, Romney won the endorsement of Bush, hoping for a strong showing in New England. Barack Obama seemed like a Democratic frontrunner, and Romney a, Repub a Republican frontrunner. When Election Day came, Round 1 put Barack Obama in first place. One electoral vote ahead of second place Mitt Romney. Governor Huckabee came in third, followed by Clinton. This threw the electoral votes from Senators Clinton, Huckabee, McCain, and Biden as well as Mayor Giuliani, back into the running. After this, Senator Obama expanded his lead to 250 electoral votes, to runner-up Romney's 208 and Governor Huckabee's 80. However, Obama was 20 electoral votes short of the majority. When Round 3 began, 65 of Governor Huckabee's votes went to Governor Romney, and only 15 went to Barack Obama. This put Romney ahead of Obama by 10 electoral votes, making Romney the first Latter-day Saint president and Obama the first African-American president. The Romney administration would see the killings of Osama bin Laden, 
the terrorists responsible for the September 11th terrorist attacks. However, the split between Romney and Obama couldn't be wider. Although former vice presidents like John Kerry, Ralph Nader, and to a degree Alexander Lamar had stayed hidden and out of the limelight, Obama became a leader for the Democrats. Other Democrats that would have run, like Clinton and Biden, stayed out of the race. Further, Romney made a gaffe, saying 47% of Americans were going to oppose him no matter what. Republicans began to challenge Romney, especially as the growing populist movement, the Tea Party movement, began to rise. Their preferred nominee was yet to be selected, but businessman Donald Trump, Alaska Governor Sarah Palin, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and Texas Governor Rick Perry all looked like potential nominees. However, none ran. For the first time in a very, very long time, it looked like the 2012 race would be a two-man race. President Romney against Vice President Obama. Early polls showed Romney doing poorly in his home region of New England, and it looked like Obama would win a majority of Massachusetts electoral votes, Romney's home state. An aggressive campaign from Obama employed the 50-state strategy, attempting to create a landslide result. When Election Day came, only three candidates received electoral votes, Obama, Romney, and a Libertarian, Gary Johnson. The results were incredibly close, and in Nevada, Mississippi, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Ohio, and New Hampshire, the delegates were split 50-50. The final tally for the first and only round was Barack Obama, 275 electoral votes, to Mitt Romney's, 262 plus Gary Johnson's single electoral vote from California. The irony of the president becoming the vice president, and vice versa, was not lost on Romney. Obama gained stardom for being the first black president, but Romney's political career looked over. Romney would not run again in 2016. The Tea Party movement was not satisfied with the results of the 2012 presidential election. The Democrats were. Since 1980, they'd won a single presidential election, that of Bill Clinton in 1996. In 2000, they'd even lost the vice presidency to Ralph Nader. Obama was a hero to them. However, Obama was considered a moderate now. That is the emergence of the Liberal Senate Caucus, composed of the very liberal senators, Ed Markey, Elizabeth Warren, and Kamala Harris. Their leader was Bernie Sanders. Sanders many times criticized Obama for not being liberal enough. Further, Obama's Secretary of State Hillary Clinton thought Obama was being too liberal. This set the stage for a contentious Democratic Party. On the Republican side of the aisle, several traditional candidates emerged, such as Texas Senator Ted Cruz, former Texas Governor Rick Perry, Florida Governor Jeb Bush, Florida Senator Marco Rubio, and Ohio Governor John Kasich. However, a very untraditional candidate emerged, Donald Trump. Trump fully embraced the recent rise of populism in the United States with his campaign slogan, Make America Great Again, and completely ignored political correctness and vowed to, and vowed to build a wall on the southern border. Kasich and Perry suspended their campaigns after Trump got into the race and polling numbers showed them along the margins 
to Trump and Cruz, who seemed like frontrunners, although Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio were far from sidelined, getting as much as 20% in polls going into November. Additionally, Libertarian Gary Johnson and Green Jill Stein both ran, making a nine-horse race. Trump heavily focused on campaigning in the Rust Belt, securing the support of New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Cruz, Rubio, and Bush all focused on campaigning in the Sun Belt and South. Sanders, Stein, Obama, and Clinton all focused on New England and West Coast campaigning. Gary Johnson focused his efforts in Alaska, Nevada, Utah, and New Mexico, states friendly to third parties. The, the race would result in contention only amplified on Election Day. At the end of round one, Donald Trump surprised everyone by coming in first place with 132 electoral votes, followed by Ted Cruz's 116 and Barack Obama's 113. What surprised people was the poor performance of Governor Bush and of Senator Rubio, with each coming in with fewer than 40 electoral votes. Sanders surprised everyone coming in with a respectable fourth, with 52 electoral votes. Gary Johnson, a libertarian, had a strong showing of 27 electoral votes. Hillary Clinton, a moderate liberal, did very poorly, only 7 electoral votes ahead of Jill Stein, the last place candidate of the Green Party, who earned 17 electoral votes. At the end of the second round, Barack Obama was eliminated in a massive upset, with Donald Trump and Ted Cruz barely beating out the incumbent. The Democrats, in their division, had lost the White House. The 2020 campaign began straight away. However, the Trump administration would bring many surprises, events in North Korea and peace in the Middle East, for example. Democrats would gain strength back in the 2018 midterms, and then massive protests and riots would break out after a white police officer shot a black man in Charlotte, North Carolina. Going into the 2020 race, both incumbent Republicans are running for re-election, and Senators Bernie Sanders, Governor Gavin Newsom, former Mayor Mike Bloomberg, Representative Tulsi Gabbard, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, are all running against them, though Sanders, Newsom, and Buttigieg are leading the Democrats in the polls. Thank you for staying with us today on Imagine If. I hope you enjoyed our episode. I would like to say that just because today's episode favors the Republicans, it does not mean that this show or myself endorses that political party or believes this is the way history should have ended up. It's just a fun little thing after what's probably not the most peaceful election. See you next week on Imagine If.